When you spilled that cup of water this morning, feeling around for your glasses, you knew it was time for LASIK. Schedule your free virtual consultation and get all of your questions answered from the comfort of your home, including cost. Right now, LASIK Plus is offering $1,000 off their Wavelight laser when treated in June. That's $500 off per eye with guaranteed financing. So visit lpoffer.com today. Must mention this promotion and be treated in June of 2022 to qualify. $1,000 off for both eyes on standard Wavelight price. $500 off for one eye. Cannot be combined with any other offers. See details at lpoffer.com. Welcome to Women Winning Divorce with your host, Heather Quick. Heather brings over 20 years of law experience that advocates and empowers women to achieve happier and healthier lives. Each week, we provide knowledge and guidance on different aspects of family law to help lead women through the difficult and emotional legal challenges that they are facing. Listen in as she discusses issues including divorce, custody, alimony, paternity, narcissism, mediation, and other family law issues to provide insight on the journey of women. Women winning divorce. Welcome to the show. I'm Julie Morgan, and I'm joined by your host, Heather Quick. Hi, Heather. How are you today? I am great. How are you doing, Julie? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Today, we have a little bit of a change of pace. Am I right? Yes, you are. It is time to move on. It is time to move on from those narcissists and their crazy ways. I tell you. That is right. That is right. <laughs> All righty. So the topic for today is what to expect if divorce goes to trial. Yes, I know it doesn't sound interesting, but it, it will be. Hold on. No, actually, you know what? I think it does because I'm thinking, okay, how often does a divorce go to trial? Let's say 20% of the time as, you know, maybe that's a little higher, but still, uh, that's a good estimate. Is that something that you, well, I don't want to say want to happen. I guess it just really depends on the case. Well, you tell me, do you want that to happen or do you want everything to end in mediation? So there are two ways to look at it. I think generally for, for any couple, if they are able to come to terms and agree, that is that is better off for them in the long run because it at some point there is compromise on each side and you know maybe that means they're each able to see the other side and end the adversarial nature of the divorce um and that is that's a, that can really be a good thing and i think that you know, most people are able to get there. So yes, that's a good thing. Now, if you're unable to settle, I kind of, my point of view is probably one side is truly being unreasonable. They are either getting bad advice on what this will look like at trial, or they're not listening to that advice as far as the reality of trial. Because when you're represented, and this is a key, when you're represented and you're at mediation, if your lawyer is an experienced family law attorney, they're going to give you a gauge of based on their experience, your issues, the judge, where you're going to end up. And nobody gets a slam. You know, everybody, we always talk about going to mediation. You know, you're not going to settle for your worst day in court. N neither is your husband. So there has to be, you know, that middle and, you know, in a trial, and sometimes we just have to because the other side absolutely will not, 
you know, compromise will not accept maybe the reality of, of some of the legal situations. And therefore, you know, in my experience, when we have gone to trial, because that was the reason we did prevail on the issues that we, you know, wanted at mediation. Okay. That was a really long answer. So I don't know how, how to the point I was. I hope I was. Oh, yeah, definitely. But let me ask you this. Is it, well, again, it probably just depends case by case. So basically what you said, that it's more beneficial for some cases to go to court as opposed to others. Correct. And that's because of the individuals involved. You know, really, truly. Like, because some people just can't accept, can't settle, cannot, you know, embrace the mediation. And they believe so fully that they are right, they have to go and hear it from a judge. Um, and, you know, that is a little bit a part of when, you know, we have a trial and that can be on either side, but, you know, you're in this case and now you're going to hear from a judge. And usually the people that do that are a little, probably not really accepting reality as far as what's going to happen in a courtroom. You know what? That sounds like an expensive lesson because court, it's not cheap, right? I mean, it's not just free to go. That is correct. It is. And it takes a lot of preparation, which we're, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about um, in this because that's where I think people don't really understand and they shouldn't. They're not lawyers. If you're not a lawyer, you don't understand this world and you don't understand that there are rules and rules of evidence and things, you know, follow procedure. And that's the way it goes, whether you like it or not. It's, you know, we have our own language, we have our own rules. And when you come in not understanding and then, you know, come to me, say after, and all this happened and this didn't happen, this didn't happen. It's like, cause you don't, you shouldn't have represented yourself. You don't know what you're doing. All righty. So tw about 20%, about 20% of cases will go to trial. Are there some case, are there some uh, people that say, you know what, I want to go to trial regardless of what happens because I want to put it all out there. Yeah, I mean, and that's where, again, there is a totally misunderstanding from the perspective of the judge is not going to listen to everything. That like, this is not Jerry Springer. This isn't Judge Judy or now, oh my gosh, there are so many of these court shows. And, you know, you see them when you're like in the waiting room somewhere or, you know, at a nail salon or whatever. And so it's whatever they put up. Um, I'm just shocked by it. There's couples court, there is divorce court. You know, I, I'm sure there's still people's court. It doesn't work like that in real life. And too many people think it does. And not even like, I mean, what are our legal shows now? Like a law and order, which I love. I am a huge fan. And it doesn't work like that either. Because, you know, the show is an hour and the first half is the police and the second half is the courtroom. It, it just doesn't work that quickly or act or like that at all. You know what? It's interesting that you said that because I didn't even think about it. That's possibly what people think of when they say, yes, I want to go to court. They think that they're going to be just like the people on television. And, you know, and I'm not like, I'm not criticizing anybody because they, ha they have not been there. They don't know what they don't know. They don't understand 
because you know when you haven't been exposed i mean you kind of think okay you know it's maybe going to be a little bit like that but i have heard more often than not across the spectrum over so many years well when the judge hears this they are you know going to look differently at my husband in this case and the reality is that that's that's not that relevant and probably not you know i'm not going to inflate somebody's sense of oh you've got this juicy stuff you're going to tell the judge and it's gonna you know give you everything and put them in jail like it's just not going to happen like that and that's where having a lawyer and understanding to the best that you can with our explanation how things will go is you know that is it's part of what we do as attorneys so that when they're prepared if we do have to go to a hearing or a proceeding and they they have reasonable expectations just of the procedure alone so the judge he's he or she will hear you know evidence and testimony so what are some of the issues that usually they have to rule on as far as a divorce is concerned so you know in a divorce we always have issues to you know depending okay if you have children there's always going to be the issue of you know the majority of time the child support parenting plan maybe alimony there's always going to be a division of assets and liabilities and then there can be other financial things as far as business but you know we divide there's money there's money as far as what's going to get paid for support does that fall into alimony does that file fall under child support then you know we're going to look at the assets the houses the accounts retirement you know how is that all going to play out and you know the country club membership and you know all these other the timeshare and all these things the airline miles oh my goodness those things can be you know all litigated so there's a lot on that and then all the debts you know what what do we have you know as far as creditors and credit cards and how does that go so there is a lot there are so many all of those issues and i will tell you it it you have to be very focused and clear on the issues and what you're asking for and what evidence you need to put forward in order to present your case to the judge. Okay. Heather, I know you saw my face. I did. You're just like, what? What? Did you the airline miles? Yes. <laughs> I did. And, you know, um, but now they have value. And we've learned over the years, it's hard to assess a dollar amount to them, but they do they have value and just like now and this is the new thing that we maybe we'll do a show on this later because this is not the time but now there's all this cryptocurrency and there's there's value in things that may not be readily apparent but if you don't address it it is gone you you just sent me into a totally different direction when you said that <laughs> Right, because I'm thinking that's a good thing to hide. The cryptocurrency and I say good, I'm using air quotes as in that's probably something that's easy to hide, but that's just well, that's just and, thinking. I mean, yeah, that's for a whole nother day because that is, you know, kind of the new horizon of things. But, um, you know, and then with, 
you know, a lot of um, individuals work at large companies. And there are going to be a lot of benefits there, and you really have to go through those. And are there stock options? And are there other assets that, through the marriage, you know, we need to look at value and then determine how to divide or, um, you know, present to the court like okay or does we do we trade it out for something because not all assets are equal retirement money is you know in there it's a wonderful asset but it's not for paying your bills now and if that's how you intend to use it you're going to pay taxes and penalties if you are not at the right age to withdraw so that's not equal to cash in a money market and you know, this is when we have these many issues, that's where the attorneys, you know, we narrow the issues. Sometimes we may, um, with the other side, have an agreement as to, I mean, usually that's where the attorneys, we do have to meet and the courts require us to, to at least agree on what the issues are that we disagree about. Does that make sense? It does. So basically, so the, the judge, he won't waste his time on something that they agree on, right? It needs to be something else that they don't agree on. Correct. And when that's possible, we can, and maybe we agree. And the thing is, there's so much I don't want to get into the weeds, but there's so many things we can disagree on within an ask, like the house. Let's just say the house. We can disagree on the marital, how much of it's marital, how much of it's not. We can agree, like, what date should we value the house? Because let's say we filed for divorce two years ago. You know, a house that was worth 500000 now we're in court, is worth like a million. So there's a big difference because look at the market right now in 2022. Somebody's listening to this later. So there's a lot of things that need to be determined in regards to value and assets. I know that is, you gave me a big surprise face on that one for sure. That's true. I, I didn't think about that. And I know, yeah, we're getting into the weeds with this. And But basically what you're saying is that the judge, that's just, well, I say just one, that's just a whole lot of the financial part that he has to, has to consider, especially done, if there's yes. a disagreement. And that's why there is so much prep. Now, a lot of this is we do prepare for and deal with prior to mediation because, you know, you're almost, you are advocating for your side in mediation, even though it's maybe to the mediator because you're wanting the mediator to communicate to each side, hey, they ha they, this is what, they're pretty strong on proving this part. You know, you may have some vulnerability, some exposure here. So that's kind of part of that. But yes, the attorneys, have to do all of this preparation because we have to, we've been dealing with this case usually at least 12 months, probably before we go to trial, um, around about, but so we know, you know, we have a lot of information and we're very, we've been inundated with information on all the issues. Now we have to narrow that because maybe we have only one day to present this to the judge. And one day means you, your side has half a day. They have half a day. The time goes so incredibly quickly. I will tell you, Julie, eight hours. I know it's shocking, but it goes really quick. And the attorneys, there's just a lot of preparation because we need to be clear, concise, but thorough and get the information in front of the judge because then the judge is the ultimate decision maker now. If we are at trial, the judge is making the decision, period. Okay. 
And you just mentioned something, a little tidbit of something that we're going we're gonna to talk about in the second part of the show as far as what happens in a trial and how long it usually lasts, which is yes. one day. Well, we'll talk about that. That was just an example. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. So you know what? Let's let's go ahead and take a break here and then we'll get into that. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. When we return, we're going to talk about what happens at a trial. Stay with us. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, what happens in trial? So trial is a little bit, you know, what I just said. We have a lot of preparation to present the issues. So um, what happens in a trial is you are there with your attorney, your husband's there with his attorney, and we each present evidence. And the evidence is going to come through. You're going to testify. There's a judge there and there's a court reporter. And then, you know, whatever witnesses are necessary uh, to come testify will be there as well. And, you know, I can kind of go through that process a little bit, but I don't want to get ahead of myself on that. Okay. I, I just had a random thought, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Um, it, but I, I just always wonder what the court reporter is thinking. That's just, I, I know, a random thought. I know I can't be the only one that wonders, what is a court reporter thinking during their job? All right. They hear a lot. And, you know, it's... I remember back in the day of when you had a jury trial, then you don't really know. I mean, you don't know what a judge is going to do either, but, you know, it's fun sometimes. And this is back in the day. Usually I don't as much, but I know, you know, you'll look at the court reporter and be like, well, what do you think? You know, and um, a lot of times they will, you know, be, you know, kind of right, but that yes, because they are completely objective. They are just listening and typing. So listening and typing really fast on a device, I have no idea how it works. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so prior to going to court, you really need to work with your attorney. This is a time for you to just kind of almost be joined at the hip. Well, not really, but you know what I mean. You really need to work with your attorney then. Absolutely, because as I indicated in that last segment, you know, there is a lot of strategy. We're now going to court. So now there's procedure, there's rules of evidence. So for example, because this, I, I've heard this more than once. Um, well, and this sometimes usually with somebody who's already been or had a hearing either represent themselves or another attorney. And they're like, well, I have this doctor's report and it says X, Y, Z, you know, say a medical record but they never, like the judge didn't see it and they don't know, or I have letters from people saying this about my husband, you know, and those are, and what is important to understand without like, you know, getting really into it is that is inadmissible. You can't just give the judge pieces of paper. And this is because when you, that are not authenticated or agreed upon with the other side. So you can't just give them a letter from the teacher saying, yeah, the dad never comes to the school and he doesn't care about the kid. That is not appropriate. Or a doctor's note saying something or even a doctor's record. You have to bring that individual into the courtroom 
to then testify under oath as to what you want to hear from them. And then they're available for your husband to cross-examine them. It goes both ways. So that's where I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. You don't just show pieces of paper without having the person who wrote that or said that say, yes, this is what I said. That's called hearsay if they, if you were to just give these pieces of paper. And those are, you know, constitutional rights to confront, you know, people who say something against you. You have a right to question them. Okay. I want people do that. Oh, because that's what happens on television. There you go. And they go, look, here's all these things, you know, and because again, it's, it's for the dramatic effect. And I mean, a lot of those shows are like 30 minutes and they go through two or three people. So, you know, they've cut it down to, you know, five to 10 minutes. And that's just not the way it goes in reality. And so that's part of the planning and um, getting ready. Because if somebody came to me, let's say today, midweek and say, hey, I've got a trial next week. Can you represent me? And even though I may say, hey, you know, yes, like we would have to get caught up in all these things, there's not time. Because there's certain procedure, I talked about procedure, there's certain things that have to be done prior to showing up. And one of those things may be subpoena, you know, send a subpoena to a witness that you need. And, and you don't just get to do that like the day before. You know, people have a life. And yes, they may be under court subpoena, but you know, they, you have to give them some reasonable notice and, or the court, you know, won't allow them, you know, you, if you need a witness for your case and they're unavailable, but it's because you didn't subpoena them till the week before the trial, that's probably not going to end well for you. The court's not going to be that sympathetic. So that's why sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, I've got this going on next week. And can you help me? Maybe, maybe not. Like we can't be ready um with the evidence that's going to be required usually in that short period of time um you know we need to move it out and get a continuance because if we're going to represent you we're going to be prepared and you know it's that takes time by the way we're talking about witnesses and evidence in the third segment of the show so please stay with us so i mean heather i didn't know that 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 happens like so someone could have a trial seriously scheduled for next week they don't have an attorney and then they come to you that has happened in the past yes and you know i mean i i i have um compassion and sympathy there are a lot of reasons that can happen and Sometimes they have an attorney and they just don't, they've lost confidence or they're scared. You know, there's a lot of reasons why that may happen. And, you know, people can be in denial and they really, they can be. And they just are like, oh my gosh, now this is happening and I can't do this by myself. Or maybe they, because there are preliminary things prior to a trial, like a pretrial, like where you come and you tell judge, hey, these are how many issues we have. This is how many witnesses, because, you know, this is how much time we're going to need, things like that. And then all of a sudden they recognize, oh, wow, I I need help with this. I, I shouldn't be doing this by myself. Or maybe they have you know have a disagreement or just not on the same page with their attorney. A lot of many reasons. And all of a sudden now it's here and they reach out. And it's that's one of the reasons it's very difficult, not only... You know what we may have we probably we do have you know 
other hearings on the calendar, other commitments. So it's not that we can push all of those aside and the time it's going to take to properly represent an individual. And, you know, we don't, we wouldn't, you know, be able to sign on to a case unless it was continued. And then, you know, sometimes people are, they, they don't, they're not ready for it to be done. So sometimes they, they do things like that and it does postpone a case. So, you know, there are a lot of things that kind of come into that, that cause people maybe to procrastinate, like, you know, everybody can procrastinate at any given time, but um, trials just like to put this in perspective for people who really don't understand or haven't been a part of it. If you want a trial, say I'm representing you in your divorce and you say, okay, I'm ready. You know, we, we say, okay, we're, we know when we're going to be ready to go to trial and we're, you know, say in June, um, we probably could get a date depending on the judge, maybe in October. So, and I know you're looking puzzled, but that's when you hear people say, and that's not just the courts are backed up, but yeah, they're busy. These judges honestly are there. They have a crazy calendar. They have so many things to do. And so when, say in June, we're planning for the time in October, we're essentially, you know, saying, we think we might need a day. We think we might need two or three days. I mean, I've had ones that it's like ended up six to 10 days. Um, yeah, I know. I know you're, you're freaking out about to jump out of your seat, but depending on the issues and the evidence, it does, it, it can take time, a lot of time. And so when you're trying to plan for a judge to say, to give us four or five whole days in a row on their calendar, that takes some planning. Okay. Does the judge say, seriously, do you really need that much time? They do. And what I have learned over the years, because I, I had one time, it was like, ended up being maybe, I don't know if it was, it, there was a lot, it went on for a long time. There's a lot of things, but then we would do like two days in a row and then next month come back for two more days and then next month. And so then it gets broke up. The judge, you know, very diligently taking notes, but that's, that's hard on individuals to, you know, not, you know, gauge the time. And having done this for so many years and so many experiences, I can recognize when in better gauge how much time we're going to need based on not only the issues, but the witnesses, because that all takes a lot of time. And, you know, just when we're setting a hearing or getting ready, I mean, takes 30 minutes for everybody to introduce themselves and get moving and you know like things just take a long time that once you're in there you, it just goes by very quickly um but yes so the more witnesses you have because the more issues you have you most likely need more witnesses to testify and so therefore that takes more time okay Oh, so many questions I want to ask, but I'm trying to stay focused. Okay, so one one thing that I noticed um, a, a terminology that I, I want you to define for me. What is stipulation of facts? So that is basically we agree. A stipulation is we agree, and it is in writing. So, like I said earlier, you know we we have we have to come to an agreement 
as to what we agree on and what we disagree on, because that's that's how you really proceed forward. So we agree, hey, you were married on, you know, March 1st, you know, 1990. We agree on that. We agree there are two children under the age. We agree that these are at issue, meaning we agree, hey, we have an issue of alimony. We have an issue of how we're going to um, divide the time with the children. We have an issue as to the amount of support. So we have an issue as to what the husband makes. Um, you know, we disagree as to, you know, his salary, you know, maybe we disagree as to what they think the wife is able to make. Um, the list can go on and on, trust me, um, as far as all of those stipulations, but it's very helpful because you are really outlining for the court because they want this and they want to know, okay, hey, these are what I am here today or this week, whatever that trial is to focus on. And so we agree on, you know, maybe 25% of the issues, or we at least agree on facts when they were married. These children, you know, are from the marriage um, that sometimes, maybe, hey, we agree everything's marital. They've been married 25 years. It's all marital. They may have only been married 15 years, but, or I mean, 15 years is a long time. And, but there may be an issue. Hey, one side says, I think there's some non-marital so we have to really outline that and it does get really specific, but then that is helpful as we're moving, you know, during the day of the trial as to what is agreed upon and what is not. Okay, so the stipulation of facts, that's like a really long detailed form. It has to be, or, you know, long list of things. It is, it, it usually, um, is pretty lengthy and you know you're not giving the judge too many details but enough and then you know as attorneys let's say you know in financial cases you know we've talked a little bit like there's tax returns there's bank statements and i talked about evidence okay so the proper you know for bank statements those are created by the bank so i mean if you really proper evidence is you have to have a representative from the bank just to say all these are legitimate and accurate copies that are kept by the bank. Generally, the attorneys agree to that, you know, so we don't have to bring in a witness. And so the attorneys, I mean, we're mindful too, you know, we're trying to be as efficient as possible. We don't want to totally aggravate the judge by, you know, taking up unnecessary time and presenting unnecessary witnesses when there are some things we should be able to agree on. And these documents, we agree. These are authentic documents. We're not gonna argue over whether they're gonna be admitted. So that kind of goes in the stipulation. These are the documents we know we can agree on. These are the documents they may have an objection to. We may have an objection to based on relevancy and you know, who's gonna testify to them and things of that nature. So a lot happens in a trial. <laughs> I mean, because we think about the courtroom, we see it on television. You have the courtroom, you have opening statements and all of that, but just there's there's just a lot to it, basically. Well, yeah. And there is, and you know, one of the things that I remember learning, and I, I was a young lawyer probably at this time, and court TV was big. And I'm showing my age because that was big time and I loved it. So clearly I was going to the right place with, you know, being in law school and a young prosecutor. But I was shocked 
by how long things took, you know, to authenticate a piece of evidence or, oh, approach the bench, you know, and that's different than, of course, what we're doing here in family law because it's not a jury um, trial. So that is different. We don't have jurors sitting there that sometimes you have talked to the judge and argue things, but you can't have the jury here. But the formality and procedure that it takes, anybody who's, and I don't, I don't know if court TV still exists. Um, I, I know that now the networks will show, you know, trials and things, but so that's a, that is real. And that will help people see like some things, how, how does this take so long? But it does. And of course it does take longer with the jury trial um, in Florida. There are no jury trials in divorces and family law. They're only a judge. And, um, but in other states, sometimes there are jury issues within a divorce. But um, so that kind of gives you a perspective on how long things take, you know, and anybody who this is going way back and it's not. And I was yet way younger then. However, but like the O.J. Simpson trial, like that was one of the first ones like really ever in my recollection, you know, on TV. And boy, didn't it, it took a long time. You know, there's all and it just because it's procedure. Like I said, and when your attorneys are advocating vigorously for both sides, they're following procedure and they're holding the other side to follow the procedure and the rules of evidence. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. When we return, we're going to talk more about what happens in a trial as well as witnesses and evidence. Stay with us. Welcome back to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, tell me this, how long does it take? Okay, so you said that a trial can take a day, it can take even longer than that, but how long does it take for the judge to rule? Do you get it back right then that day? Um, n- not usually, it just depends. So, which nobody likes to hear that answer. So. There are, um, there used to be some judges on the bench that would rule right then. And that is really helpful because, you know, they, the parties, it's like, we waited all this time to trial. We spent this time. We want to know what you decide. However, the longer the trial goes on, I mean, the judge wants the time they've taken notes most judges take a lot of notes you know because they want to remember of course and they have the evidence and nowadays most of the time the longer the trial the judge is going to say i'm going to reflect on this and i want to review some things and make my decision and now that can be there's a lot of financials or maybe if there is a lot of issues and witnesses in regards to the children Um, you know, the judge, what they're trying to do, because this is really the best process is receive the information. You know, we, as the attorneys, and of course, as the parties, the husband and wife, they know this, they know it so well, um, that the court is receiving all this information, generally not making a whole lot of decision or coming to conclusions while receiving the evidence then they need some time to say, okay, this is, you know, everything I heard on both sides. And, you know, the judge pays very much attention to the demeanor of husband and wife throughout the whole thing. 
And we'll we'll have to talk about that on another episode because that's like all in, you know, they pay attention. If there are, if you're making sounds or rolling your eyes or doing anything in regards to like your other side's witness and testimony, I've had judges call somebody out and tell them you better stop making those faces. So I know now your face is like, what? What? We got to stop. And like, we're going to go down another rabbit hole. And I'm sorry to do this to you, but it's true. It has happened. Oh, a judge would call me out because my face just tells it all. Oh, I know, girl. You'd have to have a lot of training for your trial. I'd be like straight face. <laughs> but we'd get you there, Julie. Don't you worry. <laughs> wow. Okay. All righty. So you mentioned witnesses and evidence. Let's talk about this because, you know, you said hearsay, you know, that's, we don't do that in court, but um, what are some of the witnesses that you could, that I, um, that an, a lawyer could call for you? So often, you know, often we will have, um, say, a forensic accountant, and that can be, you know, for issues, you know, related to values of businesses and, excuse me, businesses and assets, and, uh, you know, really understanding the financials. Sometimes when it gets really complicated, that's necessary. Um, sometimes a property appraiser, if there's a disagreement on value. Again, you know, there can be the battle of the experts and that can happen. You know, it, um, business valuators, you know, somebody owns a business. We really need testimony on the values. Um, as far as many times. And then when we have, I'm going to kind of like the next group is basically when there's children involved, because then you're going to really probably have a psychologist. We will have hired that expert, um, and teachers, sometimes neighbors, sometimes coworkers, family, friends, um, you know, as like, say, you know, somebody listening to this right now, a woman thinking, okay, oh yeah, I'd have all my friends come say what a bad daddy is. Well, not exactly. And again, that's the attorney's job to say, okay, out of all those possible witnesses, which ones do we need to prove, you know, the issues at hand? and whose testimony is going to be the most relevant to the issues that we're asking the judge to decide. Yeah, because you just can't have a parade of your friends, you know, saying stuff. You know, who's going to be the most compelling person? Right. Sometimes we have doctors um, as well. And yes, and what, you know, is something I have said on multiple occasions because I'll have a client tell me all these people are going to come testify and what they believe they're going to say. Great. Now let me talk to each of them because they may, you're, you may have heard, and this is not to say anything because boy, I hear what I want to hear a lot. And I, you know, and then I'll, I'll go to somebody and you hear it and it's coming through your lens. But when an objective person and I'm asking, and I'm saying, you're going to be under oath in court, and I'm going to ask you these things. Sometimes it's not the same. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So that's why you're not just bringing a bunch of people to testify. I'm going to talk to them first because they could be more harmful to you, and you don't realize it, but we do because we kind of know the angle the you know other side may ask them questions. You know, I can imagine someone saying, well, don't you trust me? I know that this is what so-and-so is going to say. Well, no, that's not really the issue. The issue is, do you want to prevail? So you're going to let me do what I want to do. If you want to achieve your goals, 
and outcomes. I know how to do it. And, you know, trust but verify, right? There we go. And you have to tell the other attorney who you're calling as a witness, right? Yes, yes. We do. And that's, you know, there's a time frame for that. And and a lot of times, you know, that's where you have to do that ahead of time, but it is on them to send certain procedural documents to inquire as to who you're going to have, because many times we need to take depositions of witnesses prior to trial. And again, that, that takes time. Okay. And it, is it also so the other attorneys, so they can figure out how to cross-examine that witness so they can prepare themselves for that? Yes, and it's just, part, again, the rules and the procedure. It's not like we show up with a bunch of people they have no idea. The, the rules require, you know, we are, there's no ambush, you know, it, and, and that, that's where some people think, well, why would I need all this? But you do, again, because there's rules of evidence, and sometimes we have, we do need that witness because if we don't, one, information may not get presented to the court and you really don't want to be in a situation where it's he said, she said, because then the court is really, really deciding based on the credibility of the two of you and you're nervous and you're testifying. You know, we need, I think it's always best to have um, some witnesses and other evidence to support your side. Uh, if you don't, then uh, I don't see you doing that well, uh, you know, in a trial situation. Tell me about some of that evidence. Well, you know, we talked way earlier on different episodes, you know, about the financials, financial affidavit, those documents, those are absolutely, you know, entered in evidence. Um, many times we have records from the schools and doctors that may come into play. And like, say, for example, child custody is an issue, the time sharing, you know, it can be quite telling when the child's tardy every single time they've been taken to school by the dad. And listen, hey, anybody under a microscope in a trial, you know, I I, I would be the first one, you know, be like, you let your kid miss school that much, or you're three months late for your, you know, checkup for your eight-year-old, you know, and it's like, yeah, I spent the first four years of my life, you know, at the doctor every month. They're fine. I'm, I'm a little bit behind on their well check, you know. So, yes, but now we're under a microscope and things, you know, how they, if they show a pattern and show something, you may want it. Now, hey, if there's a prenup or postnup, of course, that's going to be entered. That could be a huge issue in and of itself, of course. Um, agreements, maybe of prior parenting plans, um, emails, texts, and voicemails. That's why I say you better watch what you say and watch what you write because that's powerful stuff. I've had, I mean, I really do love a nasty voicemail from the husband, I will tell you. So just make sure that I'm not hearing, you know, ones that you have left <laughs> or videos, um, you know, sometimes photographs and of course, expert reports. And that's just like a huge summary of a lot of things that can fall into those. I learned at an early age, do not write it down if you don't want someone else to see it. Yes, and, and of course, in the age we live in now, I mean, nothing goes away. There is no such thing as it got deleted. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So financial affidavits, you're saying, I mean, I only need one for my husband, right? I don't have to give them one. Well, no, of course you do, because think about it. 
and you know, usually we file more than one during a process because one, it you know, we don't file a case and go to trial that quickly. It there's time, and as we approach trial, let's say this has been going on, like I said, nine to twelve months, things may have changed financially, and you may have expenses right now based on where you're living, but that's not where you are going to live after the divorce. So we really have to estimate and you have to plan where are you going to be? What are your expenses going to be? And things after divorce, you know, something really a lot of things are going to be more expensive because typically, you know, one or the other of the spouses are covered by health insurance by one person's employer. Okay. So now you're like, I got to go pay for my own coverage. That's an expense I didn't used to incur. We're all on the family cell phone plan. Now I got to do my own. All on the family auto insurance. Now I have to have my own. You know, there's a different rent. There's a different just, you know, life. It, It's a lot. And I, not to be overwhelming, that's what we really help people with. But it really helps you assess where you're going to be. Because if we are making um, arguments and purporting, you know, for support, in a number that is not based on what it is going to be, then you're going to end up really feeling as though you don't have enough money. Well, not really feeling you won't have enough money because you're basing it on costs that are the married life costs, which some may be more expensive, but there's going to be a lot of things individually you are going to be responsible for that we need to consider. Mm, got it. Got it. Heather, I mean, there are so many other places we could go with this. Earlier, you said it, it It seems boring to me. It immediately, there is nothing boring about this because I'm thinking, I want to know what happens every step of the way. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Um, just that, you know, I want to reiterate what I said before, that the trial and going before the judge Sometimes it's necessary. So it's not something to be afraid of. It is just, it is what it is. And if that is the route that we're taking, that's the route we're taking. But you must have an attorney and you must really rely and understand different language, different world. That a lot of rules that we have to follow. And those are just the rules of procedure. Let, you know, then we have our all, all of our bar rules and ethics. Like there's just a lot that we take in consideration. That's, you know, another reason why you shouldn't do it by yourself, uh, for sure, represent yourself. But, you know, if you have questions about this or know someone who you're like, wow, they're getting ready to go to trial and they probably don't know any of this, you know, of course, share this with them, but reach out to us. We can help you. And, you know, not the week before. Um, that's just really not the best. And even a month or two before sometimes honestly there's a lot to do if there is a if there are a lot of issues that need to be decided it's important that it's done correctly and you know that's what we do so i i encourage women to reach out to us uh and we can help them at florida women's law group sounds good heather it's always great to see you always great to see you julie and i am glad i did not bore you because you know i love this stuff <laughs> not at all See you next time. All right. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Women Winning Divorce. We hope you found information to help you navigate your divorce. If you like our show, please take the time to subscribe and provide a five-star review. If you need more information, please visit our website at womenwinningdivorce.com, where you will find previous episodes and other helpful content. Join us next week as we continue our journey of Women Winning Divorce. When you spilled that cup of water this morning, feeling around for your glasses, you knew it was time for LASIK. Schedule your free virtual consultation and get all of your questions answered from the comfort of your home, including cost. Right now, LASIK Plus is offering $1,000 off their Wavelight laser when treated in June. That's $500 off per eye with guaranteed financing. So visit lpoffer.com today. Must mention this promotion and be treated in June of 2022 to qualify. $1,000 off for both eyes on standard Wavelight price. $500 off for one eye. Cannot be combined with any other offers. See details at lpoffer.com.